0: Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina De Castro. On this episode, I'll be interviewing author and astrologer Brad Kachunas regarding topics from his recent book, The Astrological Imagination Where Psyche and Cosmos Meet. Welcome back, and it's been a while since I've done a podcast, I realize. I've been uh, chastised a little bit by some people, Uh, but I'm very happy to be back and to share this interview with you. I'm going to be talking with Brad Kachunas today. He's an author and astrologer, and he has a very interesting background. Uh, Brad Kachunas is a licensed counselor and certified astrologer who has spent his career in prison mental health, integrating counseling and astrology in his approach to helping people. He is a graduate of Baldwin-Wallace College, Miami University, and the University of Cincinnati. He also completed training in Gestalt Counseling at the Cincinnati Gestalt Institute and in Psychological Astrology from the Academy of Astropsychology. He is a past national recipient of the Big Pine Outstanding Writing Award from the Association for Spiritual, Ethical, and Religious Values in Counseling and has presented at numerous astrology and counseling conferences. He maintains a limited practice in Middleton, Ohio, and can be reached via email at bradkachunas at yahoo.com. So enjoy the interview. Well, Brad, welcome, and thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you. And, you know, first of all, I'm just really interested in, um, in your background. Uh, one of the things that intrigued me was that you have worked uh, extensively with the, the prison population in using astrology with them in your therapeutic work. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how you got started doing that and and some of the things that you have learned from that?
1: Yeah, I've uh, been involved with astrology uh, since about 1969 or 70 and uh, incorporated it into some independent studies in undergraduate and then uh, in graduate school in the uh, history of religions uh, incorporated it in my thesis and then Additionally, in terms of getting involved with counseling and counseling training, I was once again able to incorporate it into my postmaster's program in terms of its theory and its application. Uh, I've been using it throughout my career there. I've been in the prison a little over 25 years. And I, I can't say that I use it extensively, but I use it uh, judiciously, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. Uh, I uh, not only counsel clients, but there's a lot of other things that I do that uh, are not opportunities to use astrology. But in terms of counseling clients, uh, I usually gather on the intake of their birth data, and uh, one of two things will happen. Uh, if we're going to engage in a counseling relationship, uh, I will have their chart on my computer screen, and I will use it to guide me in terms of the therapeutic process exploring areas that I think might be uh, fruitful for Mm -hmm. the individual and uh, help them along that path. Uh, If the client knows uh, of my reputation of using astrology, then I will bring astrology into the session. Right. We will talk talk about his chart and explore it along those lines uh, in regards to my introducing the material and then letting him uh, flesh it out. Uh, Additionally, I've uh, taught an astrology class there for... Uh, probably 15 years, and uh, it's it's under the guise of uh, enhancing self-awareness through myth and metaphor.
0: I see. And
1: uh, it's usually well-received, and I, I have guys that continue to take it over and over, not simply because of the denseness of the uh, subject matter, but because they get something new from it every time, and, and they feel that it's very helpful for them.
0: So So with that class that you've been teaching for 15 years, What are, do you have uh, an example or a story of um, a person that you saw, you know, changed by their interaction with astrology in some way? You probably have more than one story like that, but is there one in particular that comes to mind that you could possibly share?
1: Uh, I'd be happy to share if one would come to mind. (laughs) I would say that, uh, well, first of all, none of my counseling clients have -hmm. ever been in the astrology class. Mm-hmm. it's an issue around dual relationships that uh, that I don't cross.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: so the, in essence, the uh, the class or group is, is uh, educational, and those are students and not clients. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only thing that I could say, since I'm not involved in their internal dynamics as I would be in a counseling situation, uh, I can only tell you what they report to me and the fascination they find with it and the the oh, wow, and the Eurekas, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I measure the success of that group by the number of people who keep wanting to take it again.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that
1: they would like more and more, and, and uh, they, they want to go beyond just the kind of introductory class that I do. It's about a 15- to 20-week class, depending on the number of students, uh, teaching the basics, and then everybody's chart gets put up on the overhead, mm-hmm. and the class gets to uh, uh, interpret everybody's chart. So they tend to find out, at least my impression is, they are finding out a bit more about themselves, about the nature of their perhaps aggressive style, uh, their thinking patterns, uh, their sense or lack of sense of responsibility, uh, and even some issues around the necessity to, uh, I, I tend to focus a lot on shadow issues and uh, Pluto and, and, and Saturn and uh, uh their awareness or their burgeoning awareness that uh, they're going to have to start claiming parts of themselves that they've put out on other people. Uh, Certainly one of the hallmarks of antisocial personality, and certainly a lot of my clients have antisocial personality diagnosis. uh, One of the hallmarks of that is uh, just this refusal to take responsibility for anything that you do and you continue to blame others for your situation in life and Mm -hmm. in so doing. Uh, that is a vicious cycle of uh, self-victimizing. And if you have no power, then you're not going to change anything.
0: Right. So
1: I try to work on that throughout. Uh, the, the class kind of as an undercurrent of it all.
0: Well, definitely a, a theme that I saw uh, through the essays in your book, and again the book is The Astrological Imagination Where Psyche and Cosmos Meet, uh, which is a collection of essays. Um, throughout all those essays, a theme that I saw was uh really being able to sit with the discomfort, the woundedness, the shadow, um, and use it as a way towards transformation, you know part of the alchemical process of growth uh, and you you really nailed very well, I think in several passages the way that our society really resists that uh our our culture you know the the American culture for one, really resists that. Uh, willingness to sit with the discomfort, to um, be with it, to experience it, and to contemplate it rather than run away from it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I really, really appreciated that exploration. Um, what, you know, I, what value is, has that brought um, to your interactions with, with clients, do you think, and how you approach um, them astrologically?
1: Well, uh, just as uh, you mentioned that American culture in general seems to have that difficulty, well, certainly most of the uh, men that I work with tend to have that difficulty also. Mm -hmm. And so people will oftentimes ask me, well, you're a counselor in prison. Are you uh, reforming these people? Are you rehabilitating these people so they will be better citizens when they get out? And no, that's uh, not precisely what I'm doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially astrologically, because the kind of men that I prefer to work with are the men who are never getting out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who are faced with that prospect of staring at the gray walls for you know the entirety of their lives. And how do you construct a meaningful life out of that situation? So being able to uh, travel that journey with them, for me, is the most rewarding aspect of my job. And to do that in terms of the uh, astrological uh, exploration of the natal chart, which is uh, that particular situation is quite conducive to using the natal chart because it's not like a one-time consultation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's a weekly exploration of different themes that arise and, and uh, astrological corollaries to those themes.
0: Right, and it's it, not something that can be neatly contained in a, in a one-hour session.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I can go on for months, if not longer, just to, around the, uh, the, some of the chart stuff. And I may see some of these clients for several years, and usually uh, w- we're done when they have uh, got to a place in their lives where life is worth living again, even though it's going to be lived in a very uh, contained space.
0: So you, you know part of the the different approach to astrology that that I found in your work, which has really kind of been something refreshing for me to to think about, is astrology as an imaginal discipline rather than something that needs to be proven or disproven by right. science. Uh, and this is really at, at the core of a lot of astrological discussions these days. Um, what, what led you to that way of viewing astrology, first of all?
1: Uh, primarily uh, my uh, studies in archetypal psychology, uh, especially Hillman and Thomas More, And uh, when people ask me what's a good book to go in this direction, I usually say the best astrology book I've ever read is Thomas More's The Planets Within Mm -hmm. because it's a wonderful elaboration of astrology as an imaginal discipline. And of course, uh, Jim Hillman himself has been aware of and uh, uh, perhaps not engrossed in, but very familiar with astrology for the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, So these theorists, Uh, are the guys that have kind of pointed me in that direction. And and, uh, I I came across Hillman back in around 83, I think, with Revisioning Psychology, his book Revisioning Psychology. Yes. And uh, it was just uh, an eye-opener as to the the power of what might be called the imaginal world, Uh, the the power of metaphor, the way we construct our lives or at least we co-create our lives with the kind of external consensus reality and our own way of Uh, imagining our lives and how we uh, can uh, provide our own direction in our lives by shifting how we imagine our lives. I mean, we can imagine ourselves to be uh, victims in our lives or we can imagine ourselves to be effective agents of change. Uh, These are all acts of imagination and uh, consequently uh, that was kind of key for me in, in terms of understanding astrology because we're dealing with archetypal motifs, we're dealing with uh, images of the gods and as I say probably several times in, in that book uh, uh, Hillman takes an approach to the gods that is psychological rather than theological meaning that the gods are to be imagined and elaborated and not to be believed in mm-hmm. and so it really doesn't conflict with uh, uh, the typical American religious sensibility right. as we, we take our religion literally for the most part and, uh, rather than imaginally.
0: Right. Right. So, so you look at the chart as something that reflects who we are but does not, per, you know, cause us to be a certain way, which I, I think is a big uh, distinction to make. And, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, and even though many astrologers that I meet will say, well, of course the planets don't actually influence us. Or actually shoot rays down, or, mm-hmm. or you know that sort of causal connection. Uh, the language that they typically use is rife with uh, causal language. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. What's going on in your life? And they'll say, well, you know, that uh, this or that or whatever. Well, it's because you know, right now I've got uh, uh, Pluto squaring my moon, mm-hmm. as if that's a, a causal ex- explanation. Right. And and I think that the way that we use language, because for me, astrology is all about imagination and language, mm-hmm. and I think the way that we use language in a slipshod fashion keeps us from being able to really plumb its depths uh, uh, and, and deepen our understanding of it uh, because of the way that we are careless in terms of those things like, well, uh, you know, I've got... Uh, you know, I've got Saturn on the 7th, so, you know, I'm probably not going to get married. <laughs> and and, and right. right then, we we, uh, we cut off the imaginal process. Right. That's why when we give somebody a, a definite kind of interpretation of uh, in terms of a reading, uh, the imaginal flow is, is uh, extinguished, and we're stuck right there. And that's why when I talk about working with clients using astrology, there are no uh, uh, single... Uh, interpretations of the chart. Uh, There there are labyrinthine ways of exploring a particular symbol Uh, and uh, I think it benefits the client to uh, be able to do that, to engage that process of of plumbing their chart, taking soundings of the depths and try to uh, uh, immerse themselves into the the deepness of their own life and hopefully emerge with a bit of a boon Mm -hmm. so they feel like it uh, was worth the effort.
0: So do you, just out of curiosity, do you work much with uh, mundane astrology at all? Do you look at that? I, I do not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not something that you that you particularly... I was wanting to ask um, your thoughts on, for example, when we talk about Pluto having recently moved into Capricorn. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, <laughs> that is something. Uh, so, So from your perspective and the way in which you're talking about it, We wouldn't say that Pluto moving into Capricorn is causing anything to happen exactly, but it may be reflective of uh, a certain, you know, thing that's happening on the in the world. But it's just reflecting that order.
1: It it images those those that uh, that uh, uh, those things that are going on in the world. It's it's a reflection. It mirrors those kinds of things. It parallels. It coincides. There's a correlation. But I don't think we can say anything about causes.
0: Mm-hmm, right. Uh,
1: to me, that just seems silly. Yeah. That sounds like science being misused. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but That's a personal perspective. I'm also very aware that uh, although I'm quite opinionated in, in my perspective on astrology, it's just my perspective. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own, and, and I, I welcome those. Although I don't practice mundane astrology, boy, uh, you know, Tarnas' book, Cosmos and Psyche, and uh, Jessica Murray's book, Soul Sick Nation, mm-hmm. Uh, two masterful pieces of work in astrology, uh, uh, and uh, I just am fascinated by that. But uh, overall, I'm just not oriented around mundane kinds of things. Yeah,
0: Murray's book is on my reading list too. That that looks like a really uh, something I can really sink my teeth into. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I've really heard great things about that. Um, so, you know, as as we're talking about astrology as an imaginal discipline and something that doesn't require uh, or it, it isn't really possible to prove or disprove it scientifically um, do you think that there is any scientific uh, proof for astrology Is there anything in the natural world that we could say you know this this shows that astrology works or because for me you know astrology is is a reflection of the physical world in a way it's it's our relationship to the planets, the cosmos. And there's a scientific layer to that, perhaps. But do you feel that there is that, or do you see it as wholly imaginal?
1: Well, I would not want to uh, separate the imagination from the consensus reality that we inhabit. I mean, it's our ability to imagine in ways that, uh, in a sense, uh, mirror... The environment or our lives. I mean, that, that, that imagination can be so well adapted to the external lives that we're confronted with mm-hmm. is a marvelous uh, aspect of, of, of our evolution, I guess you might say. Uh, so if you're asking, is there some kind of proof? It's not a question that I really entertain. I mean, the proof is in, uh, you know, uh, the grass grows, the trees, the leaf, uh, they uh, decline in the fall. I mean, I mean, for me, the uh, entire meanings of the zodiac can be primarily derived from seasonal, northern temperate seasonal changes. Yeah. And uh, what more proof would I need?
0: Right. We observe, you know, the changing of the seasons, the turning sure. of the world, the, the movement of the sun, all of those things. Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, the, the proof is, is all anecdotal. I mean, you've seen it work in your life. I think every astrologer has seen it work in their lives that you get these fantastic call them coincidences, call them uh, synchronicities, uh, that so parallel what we do with astrology. And I think that's part of its mystery and part of its magic, because when you try to throw that into uh, some sort of research paradigm and uh, have it, uh, okay, well, let's, let's check it out statistically or what have you, uh, and try to make sense of it. Well, there's been some reasonably good studies about that stuff statistically, and there's been a bunch that haven't been, and there's been questions about research design. And, and I think uh, uh, Glenn Perry, a uh, psychological astrologer here in New England now, used to be in California, uh, has a particular, uh, rather than quantifying research in, in using that in uh, astrology, he's much more interested in uh, qualitative research uh, using hermeneutic methods and, uh, other kinds of uh, qualitative uh, methodologies of which i 'm not that familiar mm-hmm. research has never been an interest of mine personally because I, for me i didn't have to prove it I mean you can see it work on a daily basis and, and for me the magic and the mystery of it is not a uh, is, is not a problem that I need to solve it's it 's something that I savor on a daily basis and wow, this is wonderful to be alive what a fantastic place we 're in
0: well, one of your essays that uh, I really enjoyed on a personal level because i'm I'm right smack dab in the middle of a bunch of the midlife uh, transits, <laughs> okay. so the images of midlife essay uh, wherein you talk about the Pluto square, Neptune square, Uranus opposition, and Saturn opposition and their meanings um it, Uh, you know, that was really valuable for me personally. I'm wondering, I have a curiosity question on that. I noticed that the Pluto square is now occurring a little earlier for uh, kind of my generation and and the generation, right, you know, a little younger than me than it used to, that we used to get the Pluto square more in the the early 40s or even the uh, mid-40s, sometimes, um, back, you know, several years. And then now, uh, People in their mid-thirties are going through the Pluto square, and that seems to be the thing that kicks off this series of of midlife transits. And I myself, I'm turning forty. I'm going through my my Neptune square, and uh, going into Uranus opposition next year. So I'm seeing, you know, all of those those things happening. Um, what, what do you make of the Pluto issue, or do you make anything of it that it, it's happening earlier for these current generations? Or does that mean anything to you? Does that say anything?
1: Well, actually, I have not uh, observed that mm-hmm. to the degree that I go, oh, wow, I wonder what this means. So I don't have anything to pull out of the hat to say, wow, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know yet either. <laughs> I'm just figuring it out. I'm not okay. sure if it means anything, but it, I, I just think it's interesting that. Well, I'm
1: going to be giving yeah. it some thought now that you've pointed it out. It's uh, almost
0: like I, I I kind of hear comments like I feel like I'm going through my midlife crisis early. I mean, I've actually heard that come out of some people's mouths. How, um, how
1: early are they saying?
0: Uh, at like 35. <laughs> okay.
1: Because I usually I usually use a wide range of about 37 to 45.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You
1: start getting the the tickle. Yeah, yeah. Start looking different for them. Right. And of course, Pluto, uh, I, I, you know, that's such a, 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 a wonderfully upsetting <laughs> uh, uh, image. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just comes up out of nowhere and, and, and abducts you and takes you into the underworld and has that uh, capacity to strip away all the, uh, all the uh, un, uh, unnecessary things in our lives. I think in that uh, in that particular essay I mentioned that uh, myth of Inanna yes. which is certainly a classic story about uh, descending into uh, the bare bones of our existence. And uh, to have that happen earlier now, uh, boy, I don't know what that's going to mean. That sounds fascinating, though, because yeah. that's kind of, uh, you know, you don't want to meet the you don't want to meet the devil first. You'd like to meet some of its minions first and kind of get to know them a little bit and maybe shake their hand. But here you're getting thrust right into the depths.
0: Right. I mean, for me, just what, what occurs to me immediately is you get the the Plutonian initiation first, you know, before all the rest of it. It's right. it's a different dynamic than, than what was going on before for certain generations. Yeah. So you get this kind of firing in the kiln that, that happens early on and then followed by you know, the Neptunian and the Uranian energies, and then later Saturnian. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I would really recommend that particular essay uh, for those of you out there in the audience going through your midlife transits. I I just found it really, really valuable. Um, and
1: I'm going to uh, check my uh, my work. I, I, I do, uh, rather than uh, the phone consultations, which I, I don't do, I do online consultations. Oh, which, great. Which are a series of uh, email exchanges over a period of weeks or months, mm-hmm. and uh, I just recently worked with a woman who had her Pluto square already, and right now she was facing a uh, she has an, a natal Saturn Uranus opposition,
0: mm-hmm. and of
1: course uh, her Saturn Uranus opposition is exactly conjunct the transiting
0: Saturn uh. Uranus
1: opposition, only the planets are reverse.
0: Yes, I've seen and a few so of those. Been,
1: that's been the focus of a lot of her life right now. And uh, I did spend a little time discussing Pluto, but I'm going to have to go back through my exchanges and, and see if I can get something fertile out of that.
0: Well, yeah, it seems like a very valuable uh, thing for people to be doing right now is is getting some astrological consultation if, if they're in those transits, in the middle of them, because it's just such a fruitful time to get insight. Yes. Um,
1: you so, go down even yeah. if you don't want to uh, be taken.
0: Right. <laughs> well, I know, I mean, my Pluto square for for myself uh, definitely was, was that kind of a time. I mean, you don't even need to describe the specifics of any situation. The The way that you worded it in your essay really got the emotional dynamic of it right, you know, and which is, you know, you're kind of Stripped bare of all the non-essentials, you know, anything that's frivolous is is uh, taken away, and you're really looking uh, straight down the barrel of of right, hard, yeah. cold reality. And yeah. um, a lot of things change. A lot of things change. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, some of the stripped-down uh, non-essentials can include relationships, yeah. or careers, or uh, uh, possessions.
0: Right. And, and I find that that's, you know, and you probably found this that very relevant to the houses that, that Pluto's occupying at those oh, times. Definitely. Yeah. Natally and, and by transit. Uh, another essay that I really uh, thought was interesting in its view of astrology was Astrology Reimagined and looking at Uranus's transit through Pisces, which is coming to its end, actually. It's going to be ending next year, I believe, uh, next summer.
1: Yeah, well, twenty. yeah, I think
0: 20, 2010. 2010. So we've got about another year left, so we're in the last year of this. Uh, but some of the observations you make there is that it, really this perhaps is a time of astrology, you know, which is ruled by the planet Uranus. So if we think of Uranus as the, the ruler, kind of the patron saint of astrology, right. uh, changing its and shifting its orientation to a more imaginal discipline been my hope yeah <laughs> and and kind of dissolving and and re uh, you know dissolving to be reborn as something new when it goes into Aries uh, right. do you have any predictions about you know if, if we take that same premise as Uranus moves into Aries next year any any thoughts on that
1: uh, probably none I tend not to deal with the future at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: even when I deal with transits with people I only deal with transits. Uh, Psychologically, with what's going on now in a person's life, I uh, have not been very good ever at predicting anything, so I gave up trying many years ago. Uh, I'm not a good planner and I'm not a good predictor. <laughs> uh, I actually, no, but I, I do certainly uh, uh, enjoy the notion that whatever was uh, left or whatever seed was planted during this time that Uranus has been in Pisces, that we'll start to see that emerge when it goes into Aries, although not right away, but you know, it has to get some form to it. And, uh, of course, I'm hoping that it'll be, I guess my broadest wish would be that it would be recognizing astrology as more of the art rather than the science, something more imaginal than literal, uh, so that we have much less infighting, because there's a lot of infighting that goes on among astrologers regarding my way or their way or this method or that method. And everybody believes that they have something that works for them, and I, I assume that it does, but sometimes that slips into this works, should work for everybody, and you should use this uh, system or you know, this particular house system or this particular method, or, or if you don't use midpoints, you're really not doing it very well. And uh, that's all literalistic and scientific. It's all the, around the idea of, uh, of, uh, of one truth, yeah. a very monocentric position. And I'm hoping that going through Pisces, and, and uh, Uranus going through Pisces and, and coming out in the, being born in Aries, that, that perhaps astrology will have uh, the acceptance of more multiple perspectives. Uh, as I've mentioned before, science is looking for that one answer, and I'm hoping that astrology looks for many answers, and if I'd like a snapshot of myself from seeing an astrologer, then it should be like going to an artist and having the portraiture done by different schools of, of painting, you know, whether it's surrealism or, or pointillism or fresh impression, French Impressionism. Uh, there are a variety of ways of looking at people, and I think that astrology should be willing to accept that. Uh, but it, So it worries me when I see a lot of infighting. I know there's a lot of infighting between some of the psychological astrologers and the reincarnationalists.
0: Mm-hmm, right. And that, that,
1: that troubles me.
0: I I am total totally in agreement on that. I think uh one thing that has bothered me is that um when dialogues start to sound like uh people are are being absolutist. Right. And I and I always want to say, you know, let's not pretend like any of this is absolute. You know, none of Very none of good. this is. Um Excellent. Excellent. It it it's something that I I think doesn't serve us and really takes us back to the old paradigm or as you say the the scientific paradigm, you know, it's really just trying to fit back into that, that hole, you know, that square peg into the round hole. And I don't think it really serves us at all.
1: No, astrology can be much more than that. And and from my point of view, it should be.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are so many varied and wonderful tools um, that can be used. And, And I love that metaphor that you just used of the, you know, different kinds of painting. There's the impressionist school and pointillism and, you know, Pablo Picasso. I mean, sure. there are so many different ways of viewing the world, and with astrology, I think it's the same. And uh, we just all have these different tools. But yes, pe- people can get caught up in their their tools <laughs> and right. identify too closely with the tools a little bit. If, you know,
1: if we keep if we keep the multiplicity of approaches, the different schools and techniques and methods and things like that, then that allows us a, a greater chance of survival because it's increasing the biodiversity of astrology. It's having a field full of a multitude of different species of flowers. And if we stick with the literalistic perspective or the scientific perspective where there can only be one truth, then we're looking at a field of dandelions and you know, a certain amount of cosmic uh, pesticide can wipe out astrology like
0: that. So, Brad, thank you very much for spending time with me and talking with me today. And uh, again, your book is The Astrological Imagination. Where psyche and cosmos meet, and that's available through, I assume, Amazon and uh, any other sources that you'd like to recommend for the book.
1: Well, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any of the basic uh, online booksellers.
0: Great. And do you have any uh, projects or appearances coming up that you'd like to uh, talk about?
1: Uh, well, if you're out in uh, o- o- the direction of the Midwest, I'll uh, be at the Midwest Astrology Conference, doing a few lectures in. Uh, May.
0: great. Uh, I anticipate
1: being up at the uh, Toronto Soda Conference in October uh, and then I'll be speaking at the uh, East star Conference uh, in August in uh, the Chicago area.
0: Great well that's a lot on your plate there it sounds like for the next few months here.
1: Yeah I got to start getting that stuff together.
0: <laughs> All right well um, anybody who's interested in that is there uh, do you have a website or a place that they can contact you as well for information?
1: Well, you can always do Brad Kachunas at yahoo.com, or you can go to uh, Rick Levine's uh, website, the uh, stariq.com, and if you do the directory there, I'll have a page in there. Otherwise, I have stayed away from the websites, but I may have to change that.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today.
1: I appreciate it. It's uh, truly been a pleasure. Thank you.